Hello, MavMind Collective, and welcome to another episode of the HypnoSales Show. Today, we're going to be talking about how to handle objections. So I've had the privilege of uh, working for different companies in my career, representing different products and services. And in all of those experiences, uh, in those engagements with prospects and clients and customers, one thing is consistent in, in all of those situations, and that is there's always um, a, a possibility that, that an objection occurs. And, um, and so I've learned to handle different objections different ways, and some very generic and some are very specific to the product or service that I, that I sell or represent. Um, so, but uh, when I got into hypno-sales and to subconscious selling, I started to realize maybe there was a, a better way I could find a better method to handle any objection, no matter what it is. So it, it wasn't even if it was specific to a particular product or service, I could approach the way that I handle the objection the same way every time. And in uh, that way, even if it's something I've never heard before, I could still have a, a roadmap to lead me to a successful outcome and uh, handle the, the objection successfully in all the cases. Now, some of you have been handling objections for a long time. So some of the things I talk about, you're gonna totally relate to. But, um, but what I'm going to do is share the model that I use so I can generically approach any objection and handle it in a very generic way. Um, so that way I can perfect this skill. And I have perfected this skill over the years because I've simplified it down to uh, basically the four elements of a belief and understanding, generally accepting the fact that all objections come from a disbelief. In other words, they have a belief about something and now I'm proposing something to them that causes them to not believe it because it doesn't, it's not congruent with their current belief. I'm presenting potentially a new belief that they've never heard before, especially if my product or service is disruptive and no one's ever heard it before and I'm educating them on how my product is better than anything out there because we're doing something new and innovative. Of course, it's gonna be something they've never experienced before so they're going to be like, I don't know if I believe that. So they're going to object out of that source of their current belief that they have conflicts and is not, or it's not congruent with the belief that I'm presenting to them about my product or service. So think of it generically like that. And these four elements, uh, these are the four elements from a subconscious perspective. These are the four elements of any belief that we have at all. And I'll give you the definitions here so we can talk about this and how I go about using this method to uh, handle any objection. So the first one is value, and that is the, the meaning of the belief. That's what the belief means to me. If I have a belief about something, it's what it, what, what it means to me. The internal state is the other element, and this internal state is uh, basically what supports the belief. It's my feeling or my emotion that I've attached to this belief in order to support it, keep it going. Um, and then the expectation is, um, is the motivation that I have to keep it going. Okay, I want, I'm motivated. We're all motivated to keep our beliefs going based on how we feel about it or our, our internal state, right? This is our internal state, how we feel inside, deep inside our subconscious. And then the experience is what shapes and gives the belief form. So think of it like, you know, is the belief circular, square, rectangular? Like it gives it substance and boundaries and, and it shapes it. So we can kind of imagine it and kind of keep it in our subconscious somehow as a thing, a belief as a thing that we're maintaining. 
So if I have all four of these elements, the value, internal state, expectation, and experience all congruent with each other and reinforcing each other, then I'll, I'll maintain that belief and I'll ma continue to have that belief until someone disrupts this, one of these elements or more, and gets me to transform it to a new belief. And I'll just replace these four elements with a new idea for each one of these categories in this model. And then if I can have congruency there at that point, then I'll successfully transform my belief to a new belief. Now, uh, you're probably asking like belief isn't, do you mean like a religious belief? No, I'm talking about just any way, we, the way we feel about anything and the way we value something and what we expect and what we experience when we put those things together in order to survive and to not have to worry about something. So an example, good example would be when you were younger, like a young kid, and you had to walk through a door, you had to learn how to open a door, okay? So imagine, go back in your past and remember like when the first time you had to open a door, you watched other people open the door, other adults open the door, they turned the knob, they turned it uh, counterclockwise, they pushed or pulled the door in or out, and then the door would open and it would swing one way or the other. And then you started to notice the hinges on the side and based on where the hinges were and where the knob was, you figured out that the door is going to swing to the left or to the right, in or out. And you just, you learned over time to believe when I see a door shaped that way, it, I believe it's going to open this way or it's going to open that way. Like you just have a belief about it and you don't even think about it anymore because you want to go through the door and that's how you, that's your value, right? That's the meaning. I want to get through the door. The internal state is I feel comfortable with where the door opens based on when I'm looking at it. And I expect it to open this way. And when I go to test it and pull it, sure enough, I prove to myself, okay, that it opens the way that I thought. So then I, it reinforces all of it all over again. So I know that every time I see a door that looks like that, this is the way it's going to open and I need to get through. So I need to pull it this way to go through. Okay. Now, what if you were to approach a door that looked like that, like all the other doors you've imagined and experienced in your lifetime, and you went to grab the knob and suddenly it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't move the way you thought. You would be startled. You would be like, what's going on? And let's say someone came and knocked on it three times and the door like came down like a drawbridge. Okay, it just came down magically like a drawbridge down on the floor and you walked across the door to get through and then it came back up and closed like that. That would be strange. Like you'd be like, I've never experienced a door that opened like that. I saw the knob, I saw the hinges, I thought I knew how it was going to open and it's, I didn't know you had to knock on it three times like with a rhythm like that person did and now that was a new expectation. I wasn't expecting that. So I can't believe that that's how that just worked because I've never seen that happen. I've never experienced that and now I don't, now I'm kind of intrigued by that um, but I think it's kind of cool. So Wow, I hope I see more doors like that. So now you suddenly have more reinforcement that doors open in and out, but they also do like a drawbridge when you knock on it three times because you just saw it and experienced it. So your belief got transformed by a new experience, a new expectation, and now you thought it was cool, and now you value that doors open more ways than just in and out, back and forth. Okay, So that's what I mean when uh, we're maintaining our beliefs. We're trying to figure out all of these four elements, how congruent they are. Now, when you're presenting your product or service to somebody, you're essentially in some cases saying, uh, this may look like a door, but it doesn't operate like a door. Let me show you how. And you're setting a new expectation just like I was describing. And you're trying to get them to value this new thing. What if you show them that door and you're trying to sell them that door and then they go, 
I don't want the door that comes down like a drawbridge. Like that doesn't make any sense. I don't want that because I don't value that. I value the what I'm used to, which is it opens up and it goes back or forward and it's easier to use. But if you were to say, well, let me set it, let me reset your expectation here. And um, let's say I move this to this column. Now I have these, these columns and these magnets kind of showing uh, the idea that this is the current belief and this is the desired belief, okay? So if I'm trying to get them to believe this new thing, like this, I want to sell them this new door that comes down like a drawbridge, I need to set the expectation that, well, the reason why it comes down is because we let gravity, natural gravity, pull it down. And the value of that is, is it takes less energy, it takes less energy. So now I'm describing a new value that I'm hoping that they're going to respond to and go, oh, okay, new, new, it, it uses less energy, yes, and therefore it saves you money because it takes less energy for the door, the gravity to come down uh, on its own. And then uh, you don't even have to touch it, so it's uh, touch, touch free, by because all you have to do is knock. You just knock on the front of the door, you don't have to touch the knob. So the knob is touch free, you just simply knock with your knuckles or with uh, anything, you can knock with a stick, doesn't matter as long as you knock right in the center of the door, it comes down on its own, and then you can walk over the top. And when you walk over the top, um, it, it you know it's easier to get more things through, more people through because you're walking over the top of the door, and, it, and the door is made with a reinforced steel, etc. So in other words, you describe these different things that either they have value or they don't, and they don't know how they believe them until they listen to you set this expectation. Now, once they experience it, like they try the door out themselves, and you prove it to them then maybe they start to realize, okay, what you told me it was going to do, it actually does, and it does save me money. It took less energy because gravity was pulling it down. So, you know, maybe I don't feel so bad about this. Maybe I kind of like this. In fact, I kind of like this idea, and I think I, I, think I, want, to, I want to check this door out. I think I might want to buy this door. So, in other words, I get 75% of the things over here by setting the expectation and the experience, delivering the experience, setting the new value, describing the new value they get out of it, then they're 75%. If each of these were 25% each, 75% of their belief is shifting to this new belief. So they have to decide now, this last 25%, is this what they, how they want to feel about it? Do they want to feel good about it or not? And they could fight you or they can just let it go and go, you know what, I, I really like this idea. So you, the idea is generally, the process is you want to get as many of these things over in the desired column from their current belief into the desired belief and then you let them decide the rest. Now, speaking of deciding the rest, notice I have these color-coded where the experience and the expectation are green and the value and internal state are yellow. So I'm putting these as yellow because I want to caution you that you really cannot change someone's value or how they feel about something. You can't just tell them, you can't force them to value something new that they've never valued before or to feel good about valuing something new that they've never uh, valued before. You can't force them. You can't make them do that. However, you can persuade. You can persuade these. You can use some of the other techniques I've shared in some other videos on this channel like the power permission technique or the ink bee method or any number of other uh, ambiguities, any of the hypnotic language, persuasive language you can use that to influence and persuade them to value something new or to at least consider valuing something new and consider what it might feel like 
if they believed this new thing? How do you think you would feel? How do you, do you think this would be something that you'd be motivated to do? Do you think you could be supportive of that idea? Because remember, the internal state is the feeling that's supporting their belief. So you can even discover and, and really understand what they value and what they want to value and what they, how they feel about it. And if you can understand that, then you can better, you're in a better position to persuade them and influence them to, to move these to the other column like this on their own. But you're not going to move these. They're going to move these. Okay. Now the green, the ones in green here, these are the ones you absolutely can control. And these are the only two elements of a belief for somebody is it, it was with, within your control. You cannot change their value or their feeling, but you can always set a new expectation and say, here's what, like maybe challenge them and say, I know you believe that, but here I'm going to challenge you with a new expectation. If I, and then you say, if I can deliver the experience and prove it to you, would you feel good about that? Would you, is, would you say that aligns with the value that you have? And right, so like if you were to do that, you set the expectation, you deliver experience, or you tell them, you tell them you could, if I can move this to this column and basically deliver the expectation, would you feel good about that? Would that be in line with the, what you value? And if they choose to move these over, like that, then they'll, they'll start believing in the new thing and they believe in your product, believe in your service. So, um, so this is how I handle objections in general. Um, and I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say someone says, um, what you discover that they value um, having efficient use of tasks, efficient execution of tasks within their organization. They want efficient execution. And what that means is they don't want 10 people doing a task. They want one person doing the task because they don't want to pay 10 times the amount of money for 10 people to do one task as much as they would just would rather what they value is to pay one person the money for one person to do the task as effective as 10 people would do it. So let's say that's what their use case is. That's what they value. So that's what they value here. One person instead of 10 and they feel really good uh, about that if they can get that. But right now that's not what's happening. Right now, they, they, they're afraid, they have this internal fear that they're not gonna be able to get that. They're not gonna be able to get one person doing the task. So they're a little concerned. So this is causing some pain. This internal state is just, I don't, I'm afraid it's not gonna ever gonna happen. Because, and the reason why they're afraid is because the expectation is it hasn't happened yet. No one's ever told us that it could happen and we're not experiencing that right now. What we're experiencing is it takes 10 people to do it instead of one. So I am not really liking this at all. But that's their belief. The belief is it takes 10 people to do it, but it's not what they want. So what they want is actually is to have one person do it. So they actually want a new belief. They value something new because what they have now doesn't work for them. Okay. So if you come in and say, all right, well, let me, let me reset. If I could show you where one person can do one task and I can actually, I mean, I, I think our product can do it. So I'm going to tell you right now, our product can actually handle that. We can help you with that use case. And if I can prove it to you and I do, now I align with their value. I give them the expectation. I deliver the experience. I prove it to them. Now they have to feel, I mean, it's just, it's, they're fighting their own belief right now because they saw what you delivered because you said it would. Now they're going to feel good about it and they move that to the other. Now they have a new belief, which is in your product or service because you aligned with it. So that's one, one uh, way to do it. Um, when they don't believe that you can do it, you have to prove it to them. The other way to do it is let's say they talk about, um, well, your price is too high. Your price is too high. Well, this is a little trickier. Typically you have to figure out what are the different beliefs they might have. They might have more than one belief 
about your product or service or what they think your product or service should be. And they're evidently, they're thinking that it's, you know, too much money. Now, sometimes it's because they don't value enough of what your product or service offers. Like this part right here is not moved over and they haven't moved it over into the desired column. The other one might be they really do value it, right? But they don't have the budget. So the internal state is, I'm afraid I can't pay that. So if that's the case, then you can maybe say, okay, well, let me reset the expectation here. If I can lower the price, then would you feel differently about it? Would you feel better about it? And they say, yeah, if you lowered the price, I would, I would feel differently about it, but I haven't seen you lower the price yet. So then you go back, you say, okay, you come back and say, okay, I lowered the price and you deliver the experience, which is I said I could lower the price. Now I just did. So now how do you feel about it? Are you going to go with it? You can hold them accountable to change their own feeling and attach the emotion to finally. Now, and then so now they believe and you've handled the objection. If, um, let's say, let's put it back here and say they don't like paying that much money and you say, if I lower the price, uh, I'm not going to be able to lower the price. Let's say you can't lower the price, but what I can do is I can sell you a smaller amount. So the expectation you said is if I sell you a smaller amount and we're able to get the 10 people that you want down to one, let's get it down to five. It only takes five people to complete a task instead of 10. So in other words, we can give you about 50% of the savings instead of 100% of what you're looking for. We can give you 50%, but we'll give it to you at a reduced price. Because in order to consolidate down to five people, it only costs this much and it's more within your range. If I can get that within your range, but only deliver about half of the value and uh, deliver half the value, how would you feel about that? And then they say, well, that might, that might work. Okay, I might like that. And then uh, if I want to keep going, can I pay more when I get more budget later? And you're like, absolutely. We can grow this over time so we don't have to pay all at once. So again, you handle the pricing objection by proposing something, not everything they want, but you see if they, how they feel about it and you deliver uh, the experience that would show them and prove to them that you're able to go from 10 to five instead of 10 to one, you go in 10 to five, but it's a much reduced price to do that. That way you're still giving them the value of what they want, but you're letting them decide if how they feel about it and if that's gonna be okay or not. So in general, this is how I approach objection handling. Um, I'm always looking to discover the, what they value, if it's multiple values, multiple things that they value and how they feel about those different things. Are they afraid of things? Are they happy about things? Are they satisfied? Are they not satisfied? Where's the pain? Where's the gain? I'm looking for that kind of stuff. And then I'm figuring out what I can control because this part in the green here, absolutely uh, this part I can control, these two things at all times. So I always have the expectation that I set and the experience that I deliver so that to, they can decide on their own whether it's what they value and whether they want to change their mind, how they feel about it. And if I can do that successfully, I can always transform their belief to my product or service, have them feeling really good about it and seeing a lot of value in it, and then becoming a loyal and being a customer for life, basically. That's what happens. So I know this made sense. I know this is probably a new model. You've never seen this before. And the next time you get an objection, I know in your mind you're gonna be thinking about these four elements and wondering, let me, how would Maverick do it? What's the MavMind method? What's the subconscious selling way of handling this? And you're going to remember this in your mind and you're going to be thinking about where you need to move the magnets, <laughs> the green magnets, what you can control, and then how can you persuade them, persuade them and influence them to move their belief from what they value and what they experience over and what they feel over into uh, the new belief that you've presented.